Buenos dias. Let's try that again. Buenos dias. Pastor, I think I'm going to do this all in Spanish this morning. It is so good to be here with you this morning, Pastor uh, Michael. Thank you so much for this opportunity uh, and privilege that uh, it is for my family and I to be here with you this morning to share uh, from God's Word and to share about what is happening in Nicaragua. We've had a, uh, a great week so far of, uh, of traveling. We came up uh, a week ago and we've been visiting churches here in Calhoun County and Cleborn, Cleborn, I think it is, uh, County. Some of these names are, are hard to say. We were out in um, Limeville. Yes, Limeville. Uh, but we're excited. We're excited because uh, we see God's hands uh, upon this ministry uh, as we see churches uh, wanting to come and being part of what God is doing in Nicaragua. Uh, ten years ago, a personal friend of mine had a vision from the Lord uh, to establish a ministry that will help connect churches here in the United States with churches across the world. And because of the relationship he had with Nicaragua, that's where the work of Cross Point got started. It got started with a vision and a passion and a love for the Lord. Uh, as we started this ministry, Drew uh, and I came on board eight years ago. We started with nothing there, with just that conviction that that is where God wanted us to be. As a matter of fact, I remember the first six months there in the city of Chinandega after we moved there and uh, had a big house the Lord provided, no equipment, no equipping, no, no vehicle, no money. Um, I remember we had nine people come through. Uh, and there are times where we sometimes doubted whether that was the right decision, uh, whether we were at the right place, where we, whether it was the right time. Ten years later, we, we just praise the Lord for what we have seen over the years. Um, at the end of this year, we had 28 mission teams come to Nicaragua to, to serve the Lord uh, in places like northwestern, China, uh, northwestern Nicaragua and Chinandega, a place that many of you have been, to the central part of the country where we're literally continuing to go to where there is no more road, and, and that's not stopping us. You know, we, we get off our vehicles, we put our equipment on horseback, and we go into these mountain villages where the Lord is doing an incredible work. We're also seeing the work expanding to the southeastern part of the country. Uh, some of the most remote places in Nicaragua where you're literally, uh, a vehicle is, no use, is, is of no use. You drive to, there's no more road. You get on a boat and you go down for 7, 8, 9, 12 hours to get into some of the most remote villages in the southeastern part where God is doing an incredible work there. We're excited uh, as we see that. This year we were able to provide and install 20 new pumping systems in rural communities where water was an issue where there was no clean access to water. So we were able to meet physical needs in these communities. We had three medical teams that saw over 2,000 people, patients, come through our clinics. This last team, we filled over 3,000 prescriptions. But the great thing about that, folks, is not only that we're being able to meet physical needs, but at the same time, we're using this uh, ministry opportunities of uh, individuals that are coming from the states that in the hands of the local church is helping them build relationship in these new communities where we are having uh, a desire to see new churches being planted. So we're excited. Out of the water ministry uh, team, over the last two years, we've had four new church plants get started. 
And uh, it's just amazing how these communities are opening up to hearing the gospel being presented. And that's what you are a part of uh, as a church. Your giving, your prayers, your participation is helping this ministry continue to strengthen this relationship with the Nicaraguan Baptist Convention. And uh, as we continue to build that relationship, we continue to expand, go to places that we never thought we would go, you know, places that as a Nicaraguan I, I thought I would never be. Uh, it's exciting to see that the church now is, is starting to catch the vision and uh, is starting to understand that they are the ones that are to, fill, to fulfill the Great Commission. You know, I got to uh, confess before you this morning that there was a time where I thought we were not going to be able to continue to work with uh, Mount of Olive Baptist Church. We love them. We love Pastor Felix and those folks. But for, for a time, it seemed like they just didn't have a vision or going beyond the walls of the church. But it's amazing how God just worked in the heart of Pastor Felix and the leadership. And this year, everything turned around. They have two church plants they're working with. Pastor Carlos just moved into a bigger place. Their mission church there in Candelaria is growing. The church continues to go to Guanacastada. I know that pastor loved that place, you know, and the rest of the team did. I heard they've heard some stories from that pastor. Uh, going up hills and going downhill and uh, huffing and puffing. And uh, I was there with him too, you know. Uh, it wasn't just a team. But it's amazing to see their desire as a church, even in the midst of their, their circumstances they're facing, you know, the, the, that's not slowing them down. And that is what we as a ministry have desired to see. You know, um, the church in Nicaragua faces incredible challenges socioeconomic situation of the country is still very difficult. You know, it's still the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But the Lord has established this church there and expects that church there to go about fulfilling the Great Commission. And we're starting to see that, and that is where us as a ministry, that's where our heart is, to see the church be the church and not slow down for any reason whatsoever. In the southeastern part of the country, in the, in, in, in the most remote uh, parts of Nicaragua there were uh, you can only go from one place to another on a boat and a dugout canoe, you know, where there's incredible poverty. There's no government presence, no, no government assistance, where the nearest doctors are eight, ten hours away. There, those churches are carrying out the Lord's uh, great, the, uh, the great commission. Lately, they just planted a church across the river that divides Nicaragua from Costa Rica, our natural boundary, and planted a church in, in, in Costa Rica. This is a church that was torn uh, down. It was blown away last fall. Uh, while we were here visiting the United States, there was a hurricane that hit that part of the country. The pastor lost his home. They lost the church. The mission church on the beach was washed away. Some 35 families, church families, lost everything they had. But that has not slowed them from doing what God's called them to do. And we're grateful that you are a part of that. And I share that because sometimes, you know, the mission team comes and you just see a, a piece of the puzzle. But you are a part of a bigger puzzle. And God continues to work. The Nicaraguan Baptist Convention, you know, talked to, I was able to, I uh, just love technology. You know, I, I'm, I, I don't manage it very well, but what little I do is it's, it's great. I was listening to the Baptist radio station this morning from Managua. And I was able to send a message, and they were excited. They they said, Omar, please say hello to the churches, and please thank them for what they're doing in Nicaragua. You know, this year we celebrated 100 years of Baptist work. Exciting times, because you don't celebrate 100 years every day, you know. 
I don't think there's anybody here 100 years old. Uh, maybe? No? No. I didn't think so. But we're excited. You know, there's over 300 churches today in Nicaragua, standalone churches all over the country. 450 mission church plants among Spanish-speaking people. Well, most of Nicaraguans are Spanish-speaking, but we also have uh, Creoles. We have English-speaking churches. We have uh, churches among the uh, Mesquito communities out in, uh, in northwestern uh, Nicaragua, north, uh, yeah, northeastern Nicaragua, I'm sorry, among the Ramaki Indians. That's some of the newest work. Uh, there is challenging because they don't even have a written language. Everything's oral, but yet the work continues. For next year, the convention is looking to plant anywhere between 60 and 80 new church plants all over the country. And we're just excited that the Lord has allowed us to come alongside them, to partner with them, to work alongside, and, and, and be part of their desire to reach Nicaragua with the gospel. Mount of Olive is growing. Pastor Felix sends greetings. They still have challenges and difficulties, but so will we here at home. You know, I, I'm always uh, reminding the churches in Nicaragua that there will always be challenges. There will always be problems. There will always be situations. But the one thing we can always hold on to is the fact that he is still on the throne. He is still our Lord. He is still our Savior. He is still having that desire for no one to perish. And that should... Uh, th uh, you know, help us to thrive and continue to preach the gospel wherever we go. Wherever we go as a church, we need to be preaching the gospel. You know, I'm always reminding churches, and this is something I mentioned in Sunday school this morning. The church in Nicaragua faces incredible challenges. Uh, you know, poverty. Some of our pastors who face incredible difficulties. Uh, in, in rural communities in Nicaragua, pastors uh, have a hard time providing a meal and, and providing housing for their families. You know, and not only them, but the, uh, the church members. This, uh, this uh, past winter season, we saw a lot of flooding, a lot of rain, which is, uh, is, is a blessing, but at the same time, it caused a lot of uh, hardships in many of our churches. Uh, entire communities lost their crops. But yet, we are constantly reminding the church that that is not a justification for them to not go about fulfilling the Great Commission. For the church in Nicaragua to say we're poor, to say that we don't have the resources that the church in North America has, and thus we can't fulfill the Great Commission, is to say that God made a mistake, folks, because he commissioned the church to do something that he can't do. And I don't believe in that. And I don't think any of us should believe in that. We cannot justify ourselves, folks, this morning to say we cannot go about doing the Great Commission. Because to say that is to say that then God made a mistake, and I don't think he does make mistakes. So we're excited to see that the, finally the churches are stepping up. You know, they are going about planting new churches, going there, you know, and uh, one of those churches is First Baptist El Viejo. You've met with some of them. Some of you have been there. They got five church plants going. This is a church that was established five years ago, and already got five churches going on, and, and, and it's, it's just exciting. And we just praise the Lord for what he is doing. And we're grateful to the Lord for the many churches here in North America that are coming down. We have new churches that are joining us in ministry. We're going to be here in Alabama. We, from here, we'll go, be going to Dothan. Uh, we're going to be going to, someone said, L.A., um, and that's not California, but lower Alabama. Uh, we got uh, John Thomas, our good friend and, and, and brothers who was here for a long time. He's down there and establishing new contacts, so we're going to go there. We're hoping that it gets a little warmer as we move closer to the Gulf. 
But then we're going up to East Tennessee, and uh, I told my wife, we've got to be ready because it's going to get cold up there. Um, and then we'll come back for a few more days. We're going to actually have some downtime with my family. I appreciate your prayers. You know, one of the things that this will do to us is it will wear us out. But it's all right because it's for a great cause. But this year I had to slow down a little bit. You know, uh, I realized that I'm not as young as I used to. I'm, I'm getting up there, you know. 40 wasn't bad. It was what comes after 40 that said it gets you. Uh, but blood pressure started going up. And, uh, you know, the doctors I actually spent a day in the, in the hospital uh, trying to get it down. But uh, I'm doing better. So I appreciate your prayers. But, uh, you know, we realized that people are in desperate need to hear the gospel. And that is really the one reason we're constantly going at it. And there'll be time to rest in heaven, I say. You know, there'll be time to slow down up there when we're with the Lord. But there's so many today in today's world that need to hear from God that, you know, I just have a hard time slowing down. When we get back uh, December the 10th, uh, a month later we'll have another team come in. We're going to go build that new church in the jungle, that church that was just planted uh, three months ago. Uh, we got a team signed up, and we're going to go down the river. So if any of you ever want to go on a boat ride, and I'm not talking about carnival, you know, just let me know, and we'll get you there. You'll get to see uh, a great work of the Lord. Uh, and I mean that. I mean that. I, I realize uh, that, uh, you know, you have a team coming down, and we'll be talking about other ministry opportunities. But, you know, there's opportunities for many of you to participate, whether it's a water ministry team, whether it's a medical team, a teaching team. Uh, there's many ways you can serve the Lord and uh, get to see a great part of Nicaragua. Now, this morning, I want to turn to a, a passage of Scripture in Ezekiel. And I, and I think it's very, uh, it should speak to our hearts, you know, as uh, every verse in this uh, Word of God should. But, you know, when I read this passage and realized what was happening, it, it really, it just became so vivid of, of what we are facing in today's life. It's in Ezekiel uh, chapter 22. You know, it's a passage that tells us uh, the situation of people of Israel. They had turned their back against the Lord. Their sin was just everywhere. You know, the princes and priests, uh, the government officials, the prophets. It, it was a very terrible situation that was uh, happening, you know. And, and it reminds me of our situation today in today's world. You know, Nicaragua is, is far away, but at the same time, you know, values and principles are being eroded. Sin is present. Families are being divided. People are, are not fearing God as they used to. And they're turning their back to the Lord. And here in Ezekiel, we, we read about this. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses uh, 23 and 31, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, You are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. There's a conspiracy of her princes within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, take treasures and precious things and make uh, widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane the holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. They shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbath so that I am profane among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds 
for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say this is the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked for someone among them who will build up a wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none or no one. This is, uh, as, a, as I read this passage, you know, uh, there are times in my life when you read a passage and you pray and you go about the day, you know, eventually it just comes back to you and starts speaking to you in, in, in that context of where you're at. But when I read this, it just came, it just hit me like a freight train, I guess I can say. You know, uh, I realize, you know, especially verse 30. It was a, it's a verse that presented a challenge before me. When I read that the Lord sought for a man, he looked for a man, he looked for an individual. And it challenged me to realize that he's still doing the same today. It's also a verse that put conviction in me. When I read the passage, and, and I realized that as he looked for someone to stand in the gap, to build a hedge, to stand in the gap, he found no one. And as I look at the situation of the people of Israel, it also brought a lot of concern into my life when I see what's happening around us here at home, back at home in Nicaragua. So it's a verse that challenged me. It's a verse that convicted me. It's a verse that creates a lot of concern because what I see in this verse is what is happening in our world today. You know, as we look at the situation of, of the nation, we realize that spiritually they were depleted, spiritually they were defeated, and spiritually they were also declining. They had turned their back completely upon God as a nation. They had forgotten what the Lord Almighty had done for them. God declared what their sins were. God listed their specific sins in this passage of Scripture. And he promised judgment upon the land. God goes on to reveal who was guilty of all this. It wasn't someone from a foreign land. It was their princes and their priests. It was their government officials. And it was their prophets. And in the midst of that, the Lord started looking for one individual to stand in the gap, one individual to build a hedge, one individual to come before the Lord on behalf of the nation. To me, it's a verse that should motivate us to get involved. Why? Because he's still looking. He's still looking for one individual, a man and a woman. It's a verse also that uh, of great importance. It's a great importance in a, in, a, in a verse of involvement because he's still looking and he's desiring for us to say yes to that call. As I look at this verse, there's three things that I, I want us really to focus on. First of all, how amazing that God will use a man. Look around, folks. He's still wanting, wanting to use us today. You know, there's many times in my life where I've failed. I've been in ministry now for 17 years by the grace of God. But there's times where I've failed. There's times where I've, I've felt. There was times where I felt I turned my, God, my back on God. But he still 
has a desire to use my life and minister. He's been merciful, and his grace has been plenty. And I know, and I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that when he called me to ministry, he knew what he was getting with me. I knew, but yet he still wanted to use my life. And I think uh, where the Lord has had me over the years and what I've been able to experience and, and how I've seen the Lord move, and today I'm here with you telling you about this. Today, it's amazing that God still wants to use an individual to build a hedge, to stand in the gap, to intercede on behalf of, of the nation. And I'm hoping and praying there will be individuals in this place that will respond to that call. But in order to respond to the call, we need to understand something. We cannot be used by God. We cannot be that individual to build a hedge, to stand in the gap until we respond to the call, the call of salvation. If we have not surrendered our lives, if we have not prayed to receive Christ in our hearts as our personal Lord and Savior, that is the first step that we must take. Secondly, we must understand that as he calls us, it is a call to service and not to be served. And Christ gave the best example of this. He came to serve and not be served. And that is who we need to model after. And thirdly, and sometimes we wonder, you know, we have come, we've surrendered our lives, we want to serve, and we still feel that for some reason God is not using us. We must remember that God's call also calls us to surrender. And that is one of the hardest things to do. Because it means of letting go of what we want to do. But the, on the other hand, when you do surrender, you are going to experience his perfect, pleasant, and good will for your lives. He's still looking. God is still looking for individuals who are going to make a difference in today's world. We should not be afraid of what is happening out there, here at home and across the world. But we should know that he is still looking for an individual. And, you know, I, I ran into this funny story. Sometimes we think that we must be a big individual and have the right name and be famous or have all these titles and, 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 and certificates in order to be used by God. We think that we have to be like Bubba. You guys know who Bubba is? Bubba, you know, used to brag that he knew everybody who there was there to, to know in this world. And one day he came to work and he was bragging about knowing everybody. His boss kind of got a little tired of it. I said, I bet you don't know Tom Cruise. I said, oh, I know Tom Cruise. We go back a long, long time. It's about, I'll pay the airfare and all expenses to travel to prove that you don't know Tom Cruise. And they did. They got on the plane. They went over to, you know, I guess he was in California at that time and went all the way to Tom Cruise's house, knocked on the door. He answered the door and said, hey, Bubba, come on in. You know, bring your friend inside. Why don't we have breakfast together? His boss, his boss was shocked. Um, I, they left uh, Tom Cruise's home, but his boss was still not convinced that Bubba knew everybody. So he turned to Bubba and said, you know, Bubba, I bet you don't know President Trump. What? He said, we used to play golf together all the time. So guess what? They traveled away to D.C., went to the White House, and while they were touring the White House, here comes President Trump. He sees Bubba. He motions for Bubba to come with his friend, and, you know, his boss just didn't know what to say. And, you know, he didn't have much time because the president is always busy, so they had a cup of coffee and they went about. And then finally his boss said, I bet you don't know there's one person you don't know. He said, who? He says, Pope Francis. 
Oh, he says, I know Pope Francis. We, we you know, spent time in Argentina with him there. So guess what? They went all the way to the Vatican. And they were there in, 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 in the Vatican City, you know, in front of the houses of some, uh, some Peter's Basilica. But there was a crowd, and, and the Pope came out on the balcony, and, and he was waving, and the Pope was not recognizing Bubba there in the middle of the crowd. So Bubba turns to his boss and says, just wait here for me. I know all the guards. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get up in that balcony, and I'll wait for you. I'll wait for him up there. Well, about 10 minutes later, guess what happened? There he was in the balcony waving with the Pope. Well, he came down, and when he came down, he found his boss was on the ground. The emergency crew was there. You know, he had passed out, and he was just coming back around, and he said, what, ha what happened? He says, well, I got to say, you know, it did shock me to see you up there with the Pope. And I was just getting through that initial, you know, uh, shock when a, a Japanese tourist came up to me and, and tapped me on the shoulder and said, who's that up there with Bubba? <laughs> you know, uh, Sometimes we think we need to be like Bubba to be used by God. Folks, we don't. We don't. So I hope you never forget that story. But above that, I hope you never forget that we don't need to be like Bubba to be used by God. He is still looking for one individual. And I hope that we have men and women in this place responding to the Lord. The second thing that amazed me about this passage is how alarming the situation was that God himself started looking for an individual. We are called constantly in God's word to look and to seek the Lord. And he will be there for us. But in this passage, as we read it, it says he sought for a man. Gives that uh, gives us that uh, understanding that he was purposely looking from one individual to another, from one place to another, he was purposely looking for someone to make a difference. The Lord himself. You know, sometimes we'll come to church and we won't pay attention. We, we don't like what the preacher said. We'll read his word and sometimes we'll turn the back, our back to God's word. But this is the Lord himself coming and looking for an individual to make a difference. Hoping that one individual will say, here I am, Lord. Use me. He is still coming. He is hoping that one of us will respond. He knows the, the pain in our hearts as we look around us, as we see our country fall apart, as we see the world fall apart, as we see our families, our communities. He sees how desperate the situation is, and that's why he is still coming and knocking and our hearts hoping that one of us will respond. But as we continue, and as we saw how, you know, that situation was so difficult and desperate. Some of us might say, why should I respond? Why should I be the one? Just think about what God already has done in your life. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a U.S. holiday. Wonderful time to thank the Lord for all he has done for us. I think many times of the things that I personally want in my life. You know, one of the challenges coming to America is that you see everything. All the incredible toys, the beautiful houses, all the things that are out there, you see them here. And sometimes you, 
you kind of wonder, oh, that would be nice to have that. It would be nice to have this. But, you know, I, I, my wife and I have spoken many times because there are things that we would like to see in our lives. But I'm, we're also conscious that if we don't ever receive any of those things, just the fact that he saved us, just the fact that he's given us eternal life, if I don't have anything else from the Lord in the rest of my life, I have more than I deserve. And we ask ourselves, why should I be the one? Why should I say, here I am, Lord? Just think about what the Lord has done in your life today. Now, as I look into that, the third thing that was astonishing in this verse, you know, we saw first that, you know, he was, uh, that he, the Lord was looking for one man. That he came looking was the second thing. But the third thing that it was very astonishing to me is that he found none. Today, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I know that's not the case already because many of you are responding. You're ministering here at home and in your community and across the state. Some of you are coming to Nicaragua. But you know what? There's still an incredible work to do. There's still many in this world that are dying and going to hell every day because they have not yet heard the gospel. We, there is still opportunities for us today to be the one that's going to stand in the gap. And it'll be rough and it'll be hard to stand in the gap, to understand that we are trying to keep sin and evil out and preserve what is good in. But we're not going to be there alone. Ministry is difficult, and it'll take the starch out of you. But the Lord has been there with us every step of the way. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt. That's why I'm so grateful when people say, we've been praying for you, because I know that that makes a difference. The Lord on this occasion found none, not one individual, to make a difference. They have forgotten who the Lord was. They, were, they, they, they just drew away from the Lord. Today, the Lord is knocking. The Lord is here. The Lord is asking. And I hope there will be one man or one woman that will say, Here I am, Lord. Use me to make a difference, to build a hedge, to stand in the gap for your family, for your marriage, for your city, for the country, for the world. I hope the Lord is not coming through this place this morning and finding that there will be no one to respond to his call. This morning it might be that you first have to respond to his call to salvation. And there will be opportunity for us to respond and there will be opportunity for you to come for the Lord will receive you with open arms if you have yet to confess him as Lord and Savior. But for the rest of us as a church, I'm sure pastors still needing individuals to serve in different ways throughout the church. You know, there'll be a time where the church will immediately respond. Sometimes I remember being a little kid when the pastors say, we need help, everybody responded. Today it seems like we have to drag people, and it shouldn't be like that, folks. We're excited to see the work of the Lord. Sometimes it can be scary to see the sin of the world. But we also see that there are opportunities for us to serve and make a difference. And we must not be afraid. We must be willing to stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of the nation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you and thank you for...
all you are doing in our lives. For your son Jesus has came and shed his blood and uh, died on the cross, res- uh, was buried and resurrected so we might have eternal life. Lord, we realize there are difficult times we're living through. But we're grateful that you are still looking for one. For that man and that woman that's going to make a difference in their marriage and their family and their church and their community and this great nation and across the world. Lord, may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and responding. I also ask, Lord, for those who have yet to know you. There's anybody in this place who have yet to come and surrender their life at your feet. That they may come and, and ask you to come into their lives. To forgive them and make them a new creature. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.